So Money episode 1185, Entrepreneur Rachel Sklar. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Being a single parent, being a single mom was something to be seen as like a wonderful gift because so often, like if you've ever read a David Brooks, like go search out David Brooks and like single parents. He literally always uses the, you know, the incident of single parenthood and single motherhood as like an indicia of like, and everything's going to hell, damn it. Welcome to So Money, everybody. Today on the show, you're just going to hear two girlfriends talking about, you know, all the things, money, parenthood, the pandemic, musicals, and Bitcoin. Oh, yes. Rachel Sklar and I cover it all as if we are back in the days of having lunch with our laptops open with a glass of wine in hand. Rachel is, oh my gosh, she's so many wonderful things. She is a writer, an entrepreneur, a single mom in New York City, co-creator of The List, a global community of high-impact women in media, technology, and entrepreneurship devoted to helping each other achieve and succeed. She recently sold The List, so we are most certainly going to talk about that and all the exciting things that she has happening for her in this very strange time. I just love this woman and I think you should know more about her. Here is Rachel Sklar. Rachel Sklar, welcome to So Money. We are doing this. I'm so excited, Farnoosh. You know that you're my favorite podcast. <laughs> I'm so honored to hear that, truly, because I look up to you. You are so badass. And we had a, a lunch right before the pandemic became official. Wasn't it like, I want to say January, February? Of February, because I just found the receipt yesterday and I took a picture to send to you. I forgot to send it to you, but yes. Look at me saving receipts. I'm so responsible. <laughs> you save receipts. You keep receipts. Um, I want to talk to you about so many things. One, life as a working single mother in the pandemic. I know you have opinions and life experience. 2020 was a big year for you, You know, selling a business, starting a new business. Also, I, what I love about your approach to life is your well-roundedness, although maybe that's not how you would characterize it. But from my perspective, you're a mover and a shaker and you even have time to you know, make sure that you're addressing all, all your talents. You're a lyricist in the BMI Musical Theater Workshop. That's on top of your work as an activist and you're a former attorney and you're a writer. Let's also talk about your investment in Bitcoin in a moment. I was thinking like, where do we even begin? And I would, I think I'm going to let you take the lead in telling me where is your life pulling you right now? Where is the gravitational pull in Rachel's life right now? I mean, it's in the middle of a pandemic, which is also a deep recession, which is also, you know, punishing for moms and caregivers across the country. It's very hard not to center that. Like that is the pull every day. There's things I want to do, and then there's my bank balance that needs to be addressed. So it's like this is a this is a tough year for everyone. I am a single mother. I have an amazing daughter. She's five. She'll be six in a few months. And I mean, it's it has definitely been an adventure. I will say that I'm very very lucky 
in the respect that I have had this company, The List, that I co-founded with a very good friend of mine, Glynis McNichol, 10-year-old company, and we sold it in November to Anne Chiquette, List member, former Seventeen magazine editor, uh, owner of New Power Media. There was like a lot of flexibility. I'm my own boss. I'm a, I'm a freelancer. So there's that at least. Still, all that means basically is that I, I, I don't have anyone yelling at me when I don't get something done, but it still doesn't get done. There's lots of stuff that I wish I had done, was planning to do, ought to have done, not done because every two seconds there's someone saying, mama, mama. Right. And, and she should, uh, you know, I, Ruby subsumes her needs to mine often because I'm like, sorry, honey, mommy has to work. Please, please, honey, mommy has to work. But, you know, she has to be fed. She has to go to the bathroom. There is school. There is Zoom kindergarten, which as any parent with children doing remote learning will tell you that takes over everything. So, so that's, I mean, that's the gravitational pull of of 2020 i think i would be lying if i pretended that i had like a fancy free and delightful carefree year but i did i did have some great some moments some big moments i mean i knew when we had our lunch you were talking about the possibility of selling the list which i'm a member of i'm a proud member of and for anyone who is unfamiliar with the list it is this incredible organization that started as a listserv uh, that brings together awesome women and it's part support network. And I mean, how would you describe it? I like hearing how, how members describe it. It's, it's, it's meant to be a, like, a, like the yeah, version of the old boys network for women and women identifying it's a, it is meant to correct the information asymmetries that so often exist within networks that often, you know, financial networks, let's say that might not include as many women, like there's just an information flow. And and we'll talk about that a little bit when we get to the discussion about crypto, because that's a conversation that definitely originated largely with men talking to men and making those recommendations to men. Um, But it's also like, it's a, a support collective. It's a, it's a temperature taker. It's a, this happened at the office and it struck me as strange. Is it strange? Like, is this off? And and as we know, these are the sort of like the the various whisper networks, the the collectives where people can talk to each other about their experiences and say, no, actually, that's off. That's inappropriate. You know, this shouldn't have happened, or this is normal. Then uh, and then, of course, there's there's just information sharing about you know like how much equity should I getting if I. If I, if I join this startup as an advisor, like what's a normal starting salary? You know, um, someone's asked me to be a consultant. What is an appropriate rate? And should they pay up front? Do they pay at the end? Like, you know, should I pay hourly or should I do a project fee? The list is a fount of information on all those fronts. And it has been, I've seen it be incredibly useful to many members. There's people have, you know, found investors, business partners, partners, sponsors, what have you, lots of jobs. So it's a very useful network. And sort of the common denominator has been the sisterhood and looking forward to rising in a group, like a rising tide lifts all boats. So, um, Anyhow, that I mean, I, I'm biased. I started it, <laughs> and and you sold it. By the way, Anne Choquette has been a guest on this show. She's a friend and a member of the list who then acquired it. There's two sides to every acquisition, right? There's the uh, 
there's the closure, and then there's the beginning of something new. So why was it important for you to move on from the list? I mean, Glynis and I had both uh, come at it from the perspective of we're both writers. We both had, uh, you know, we grew the list, but we also were mindful of of our other selves. Um, and, and then, you know, f- five years in, I ended up having a child that was not part of our you know, grand five-year plan for building a business. We didn't actually have a grand <laughs> five-year plan. Um, but I did, that That changed things somewhat. Um, uh, Glynis, meanwhile, went and wrote herself uh, three books. So there was a lot of other stuff going on. And um, we were, it was, we were ready. We were, we were ready. It was time. And we were also excited about what someone who was excited about coming into the list with a fresh vision would do for it. And, and I think so far it's been exciting to watch and still be part of. I'm, I remain a member. So, uh, we'll, I'll remain an advisor, but yeah, that's, uh, felt like a win-win for everyone. You mentioned that before we were live, that you have started a new company with a partner. Tell us about that. Well, that goes back to musical theater. So, um, uh, musical theater startup. There's lots of money, and actually, there is lots of, of money now. If you if you look at TikTok and Ratatouille, and ah, so the pandemic has been an ironic year for for theater. Like on the like the traditional ways of experiencing it are no longer, but now there are other platforms. Is that where the opportunities are shifting? They, I mean, I think it's it's anything is ripe for innovation right now. That's that's where we are. Like everything shifted, and so. It, things had to innovate and that's where that's where we've seen you know our own habits shift i mean who was using zoom regularly a year ago today i was not um but now i am but so the bmi musical theater workshop i i have been a long time lover of musical theater uh, a lyricist a sort of a broadway fan lover sort of stars in my eyes for many years and and sort of gradually shifted from i want to be on broadway right for broadway to i'm very glad to live in the city where i can attend theater <laughs> and then i found out about the bmi musical theater workshop which is uh sort of like the the they call it the premier training ground for the next wave of musical theater talent and I auditioned and then I got called in for sort of like you, you, you apply and then you get called in for your audition. And, uh, I did that for three years and, and got a like almost kid for three years, but you know, um, I'm a single mom, I'm tenacious and, and I had a, like a lot of lyrics <laughs> ready to go. So eventually <laughs> I did get in and I was, it, I mean, it's, it's like, if you love musical theater, it's a, it's a magical place for me. It's a truly magical place. I can't, I, I, I am just the biggest nerd. It, it, just sitting there watching my amazing, talented classmates, like create the, these amazing songs. And as a lyricist, you get paired up with um, different composers. So I, and then you collaborate with a different person over the course of the year. So I just kept on like working with these incredible people. I got to write my 10 minute musical at the end of the year with Daniel Mertzleft who is like the one of the breakout musical theater stars of TikTok and he was he was the one on the James Corden show for the Thanksgiving musical and he was a, a like a big driver of Ratatouille the musical it's like really they're really talented people and i moved on to second year with them but then halfway through second year sort of reality caught up to me because it's a very time consuming process and i had some bills i was a single mom uh, there was some litigation costs unfortunately with my daughter's dad where we were 
working some stuff out. So I decided that I would just audit second year and retake it the following year when I didn't have those kinds of pressing financial concerns. Uh, and so I restarted second year with a new class. And one of the members of that class is a lovely man named Ron Pissarro, who I did not speak to for six months. But then uh, the pandemic happened, everything moved online, and all our presentations moved online into video format. And Ron had offered to help people with their videos. So I reached out to Ron, and he and I collaborated um, with my uh, the composer who was working with us on our adaptation of Hustlers. So that's a whole other story. <laughs> um, and, uh, and Ron and I just really hit it off. And so now we are together. He's my uh, delightful partner sitting in the next room. And we've been doing, we've been working together, writing together. And because I have Ruby here and we, we just were always immersed in children's media and children's music. So we do a lot of, of that with her. And very quickly, it, it, it became clear that we should be creating content for kids. I had started something or had planned to start something called The Luckiest, which was an, originally intended to be a newsletter for single moms, because I always say to Ruby, like, aren't we so lucky? We're the luckiest. And so that was the idea was to show that being a single parent, being a single mom was something to be seen as like a wonderful gift. Because so often, like if you've ever read a David Brooks, like go search out David Brooks and like single parents, he literally always uses the, you know, the incident of single parenthood and single motherhood as like an indicia of like, and everything's going to hell, damn it. Being a single pa parent is amazing. I love it. I am so grateful, so happy. Best thing in my life. I know that uh, the other people feel that way. So it was, it was sort of meant to embrace all the wonderful things about being a single mom and acknowledge uh, in the same way, acknowledge that to be able to say, I'm the luckiest, you there is privilege inherent in that. And so those were kind of the discussions that I wanted to have. And so we're sort of taking that. And now that Ron, like Ron is a web developer and, and database guy, and he's a composer, he has all of these skills that I don't have. I'm a words person, essentially. And, uh, and so we're, we're pulling it together as a platform to actually bring in some of our talented uh, musical theater friends, writers, performers, and create a space where we can actually provide some useful content and fun content for kids that will also serve maybe as giving their parents a break during the pandemic. Because if you find something good, I'm sure you know, Farnoosh, like you're, you were so happy and you're like, yes, please watch this for half an hour so I don't have to feel guilty. So that's kind of where we are right now. How's that? Well, you know, for me, this story is just a reminder of how when some things get really, really hard, you have to lean in to what is easiest and or simplest, you know, not that you're not working hard to create this business, but you aren't like looking for solutions outside of yourself. You know, the pandemic forced us to do things that weren't great, weren't fun, um, but you leaned into it. You said, okay, this is the new normal. And what happened, right? You found not only a true partnership, but you discovered a new way to give back and make an impact and make money. I mean, it's very new. So we shall see, especially on the money side. But, uh, <laughs> but it's certainly, it's very much a, a need. It's very much a need. I see it all the time. There's also, I mean, there's just, there's, there's no shortage of need for quality online material for kids. 
So if, uh, if I am in a position to be able to create that, and that is work, and we're, we're, we're really looking into it, and we're, we're focused on trying to make it fun and you know, exciting for kids. And so we're lucky we have a beta tester in the house, but, um, yeah, it's, um, so it has been, it's been, it's been busy. It's been busy and and wonderful. I'm extremely lucky that I actually found love and a partner in the pandemic. I recognize that as, you know, a single mom in her forties can't take that for granted, but uh, yeah, I'll take it. I deserve it. Hell yeah. I want to encourage everyone to read everything you write. You write uh, for Medium, among other places. Um, but one of your latest pieces on Medium is about how to keep doing the work in a world, in, in a moment that just feels like everything is at a standstill. And it's so hard, you know, whether you're the single mom or you're uh, in a partnership, but Zoom life is taking over your work life. And we know that this is a she session. By all measures, women are losing more jobs than men. If you're a woman of color, it's even even more difficult. And one of the tips that you have in this piece about how to keep doing the quote unquote work is to build and call your community. So I want to ask you, Rachel, who is your community? As a single mom, who is your community that you've been able to build, that you've been able to build and call? I mean, the calling part is, I think, the hardest work of recognizing when a member of your community or someone in your world is not being supported, supportive of you and is acting as a, a drag on you. And that that's hard. So that, that was part of the part of the article is recognizing that. And I've, I've had to do that a, a little bit over the way, for sure. Putting a filter on someone's email address who triggers you when when they email you that's i mean that's one tip i could just <laughs> it's not a finance tip but oh is it a mental health tip um but uh for building community especially as a single mom I mean, obviously i have an unbelievable family my my sister my sister and my mom are always on zoom with ruby available to read to her or play with her i mean it is it is babysitting on a computer it is really wonderful, but also just having their voices constantly in our home. It really truly does feel like it's been a very long time since we've seen them, seen them, but it really feels like they are a presence. And, um, you know, my dad, my, my cousin, Jacob is, uh, he, Ruby and he get along famously. So he's been an um, amazing support. My family lives in Toronto. Jacob lives here. So that's been great. And, just the community. We live in Stytown, which is a wonderful, wonderful neighborhood in, in, in New York. And so like the, the kids at our preschool and those families, it's, it, it, I, we really do. We really have been incredibly supportive. Again, this is why I always say we're the luckiest because I feel that way, despite the obvious and, and, and regular relentless challenges. Um, but, um, and then of course the list, like the list is an amazing community. They filled with my friends when I was pregnant, like the, the list threw me a baby shower, like just a really wonderful, just a really wonderful community that is supportive with, you know, for you, not only for where you are at the time, but also for where you want to be. There's, um, I've had a lot of support of my musical theater antics and, <laughs> A lot of listeners were on my, you know, were like present in the quote unquote audience of the Zoom where we did our final presentations. And and then Ron, I, I'm definitely a single mom, but I'm a single mom with a partner who is uh, incredibly present and helpful and, and a partner in everything in our household. Mm-hmm. We don't live together, but we, 
it's a pandemic. You know, there's a we spent a lot of time together. So, and uh, and Ruby adores him. So, I, what can I say? I, it's branding. We're the luckiest. I love that. I think that the way, and I know I've known you for a while now to know, and I've, I've you know, you're very transparent about like on Instagram and even in your articles, just about your uh, very conscientious parenting and whether you feel like it's, I mean, I'm learning a lot from watching you and reading about what, you know, your relationship with Ruby to say that you're the luckiest is just one example. I think of how you are a wonderful parent, like even like, you know, filming your got yourselves, like before the pandemic, like singing on the way to school, you're really good at just being really in the moment with her. And I think that's hard sometimes, but is that something that you're very conscious about or is just part of, I don't know, I guess all mothers have that with their kids, but I feel like you have a little something extra special there. Well, I really like to sing. And I, so at any moment of the day, I will, I, that something will trigger me to break into song. So, you know, it's not everybody thinks that's a plus, definitely Ruby sometimes I was like mommy stop use what you got I guess is 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 the lesson there use what you got you know but it's a, for 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 a long time it was just us and we're very close and um I I, I we have fun we have fun it, I am not going to pretend that anybody should be taking parenting tips from me I mean it is again it is a pandemic it is so hard every day I think about how I could be doing something better. I would love to be an ideal version of what a mom should be in a pandemic. But, you know, unfortunately I don't have 12 hands and 72 hours in a day. So we are making do and trying to be happy and upbeat during it. And I was conscious at the beginning of the pandemic, particularly, I really, I was conscious of, of creating a bright, happy and safe reality for her. And because it's, it's terrifying, it's still terrifying. We're just used to it. So no, I mean, safe is the operative word there. I mean, that's that's it. If you have one thing to choose, one one mode, choose safety over all else. And I know that's even that is hard for many families. Well, let's talk a little bit about money shifting gears a bit. <laughs> you are you're in your forties. I'm in my forties. I'm writing a piece right now about you know, my financial hopes and dreams for my 40s. It's a work in progress. I haven't finished the article yet. I'm just curious to know where you are mindset wise when it comes to money right now. Are there wrong, wrongs you want to write? How would you describe your relationship with money? Uh, <laughs> there are so many wrongs I would love to write. So I came at the whole money thing kind of like inverted because I used to, I was a lawyer. So I started my career. I went to law school. I came to New York. I became a lawyer at a white shoe law firm. And so money was not an issue. Appreciating that I had it and what I should do with it to be smart about it. That was probably an issue. I was in my mid twenties. I was not as thoughtful or educated about how I should operate which I deeply regret. That's one of the things that I, I, one of the reasons this list exists is kind of like, wow, I wish I'd had this over many years. And then I, and then I left law to be a freelance writer. So I, I sort of, my appreciation for flexibility, freedom, pursuing what you love did come also with the realization that to do a job that you don't love because it pays very well, uh, you know, represents a trade-off. So for a little while, I was 
very sort of, I don't need money. I've got love kind of thing. And I wish I had been a little bit more actually, yeah, you do. You need money and um, pay attention to it a little bit more. So I, what can I say? I, I've chosen a lot of career paths that are not immediately remunerative, right? A freelance writer and then an entrepreneur, a, a, a startup founder. In, in the middle, I, I had stable jobs. I mean, I, I was at the Huffington Post and Media 8. I have been doing consulting on and off over the years. It's not that I don't know how it is done. It is now just more of a focus, I guess, and, and should be. And, and that it has been one of the focuses on the list has been, again, correcting those information asymmetries, which is why when we talked a little bit about crypto, like I feel at the very least, like I, I want listers to to know that this is a place where people are, you know, buying and holding, you know, a, like an asset that may or may not prove to be valuable over the years. It certainly has been, but hindsight's 2020. So do you feel rich as a Bitcoin investor? You invested in 2014 when it was probably on what? How much? Like $1,100 or something? one Bitcoin for five seventy five in February 2014. Oh and then I forgot about it for years. That's <laughs> <laughs> okay. But this is like, do I, am I rich? Absolutely not. Did I, did I, you know, was I able to cash in a little bit? Yes. You know, by cash in. What do you cash in on Bitcoin? I mean, I did. I like remembered I had the Bitcoin was like, oh, I'm going to sell this Bitcoin. But then there was like a little bit left and that appreciated too. So I've just been, but I liked being able to say, oh, me, I invest in crypto. It's, oh, yes. It's, and it's fun to have those conversations and it's fun to be aware of it. But I think, one of the things that I just, the, my realization is the reason that I invested in crypto is that somebody told me I should. I was out for dinner with friends and they had like, a, the friends of theirs were there who were starting a crypto startup. So we started talking about it and I pulled out my computer at the table and joined Coinbase and, and bought one Bitcoin because of that conversation. And it really has struck me over the years that this was not the first person I had spoken to about who would have known to invest in Bitcoin. It was just the first time someone had told me. And that's, that's where information asymmetries come in, right? Where are these conversations happening? Who, who is advising who about what, what to get into? Um, Cause I was very much a part of the startup community in New York. I had, t I knew lots of investors. I made lots of, you know, referrals to investors. <laughs> a lot, a lot of people, you know, I made a lot of matchmaking um, for a lot of different people, then um, and, and that that just never came up. So I I'm so conscious all the time of 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 how to open those lines of communication up and and how to increase that information flow towards women and and then once it's there to to make it seem accessible. And so I'm I'm no one's idea of any sort of investor. Um, I did not invest in GameStop. <laughs> I read about it like everybody else. And That's okay. And, and, but you know, I, what I appreciate about your experience is that you, you dipped your toe into the market. You didn't, you know, cash out your retirement to put it into Bitcoin. You didn't, you know, you didn't bet the farm. You didn't go in over your head. You did, you bought one to sort of see. And that's, you know, I think that that's something that we can all consider doing if that's what, if that is what you're interested in, the takeaway is dabble in it. 
I think it is just a reframing too of what we spend money on and what what a, what what are appropriate sums to to spend on things. You know, there's a a, a friend. We have a, a very robust investment uh, thread happening right now on the list, and and someone said that they you know that they they just they conservatively in, in invest like $25 a week like across like here or there just so that they do it it's you know so it's like a it's like a habit they have and someone else said that they where they might otherwise buy a dress or a top instead they're putting that into investing that's like their fun place mm-hmm. and it's just it's worth reframing you know i don't think twice about how much i might buy like a like a jar of face cream for let's say forty dollars, right? Let's say like a, like a, but that is an investment, Rachel. No, but like how many times do I, I would not think about it? And let's be honest, I like I really I don't always buy it, but I do like that drunk elephant stuff. Yeah, man, and that's sixty dollars. I had this so I currently have a little drunk elephant on my bathroom counter, and that's sixty dollars. If you nothing else from this conversation, listeners, it is that you must experiment with the drunk elephant available at all sephoras and drunkelephant.com. I mean, I wish drunk elephant find me online and send me this cream because it's yes. I'm sure one in a week. Um I accept all gift certificates to Sephora and Drunk Elephant. Right? But this stuff adds up. So I mean, mm-hmm. I am sure you have some listeners there. If if they are Sephora shoppers, they're familiar with the phenomenon of just you know putting stuff in their cart and then spending what like 150 bucks in one one go. What if what if instead of that idle Sephora shop, instead I was like, huh, why don't I put 150 bucks into some sort of stock today? I'm just saying this is not how I have previously thought. I kind of like. I kind of like the idea of being in that. Well, yes. And and that narrative never is really, I mean, relatively speaking, women don't, we, we don't get that dose of advice where versus, you know, I think uh, growing up in the boys club, you, you do. And, and I think that's, we got to change that conversation. And I thank you for bringing that up. That's um, always good. We don't really talk about that enough on this show. I mean, and I'm sure there's a musical in that. <laughs> I was gonna say you know, starting cabaret in my high school production. Oh yeah, I, you know I was like, but this is like like everything is always the focus is always on men, right? Like I was gonna say like how to succeed in business without really trying. What's the big number there? Brotherhood of man. That yeah. always annoyed me. Always annoyed me. Why is it the brotherhood of man? Hmm. Hmm. Well, you know, well, sisterhood of sisters of buying crypto. That's uh, the. The traveling crypto, I don't know. I have no idea. But point being is I, I would just like there to be greater information flow. And if I can participate in that, I would like to. You have been. My gosh, the list. And um, I'm so glad that we got to make this podcast possible so more people could hear your voice. And you can read more uh, of Rachel's thoughts everywhere. You can just Google Rachel Sklar, but we'll put all the links on our website as well. And um Let's keep in touch. I want to. I'm, I'm. I'm. I am invested now in your success with this. I. I would let me know how I can support you. You're so awesome, Farnoosh. It's lovely to talk to you, and I'm so excited to finally feel like I could come on your podcast. As you know, big. Well, I'm so like I couldn't believe you listened to this show. I mean, I. I'm, I'm so flattered and honored. What? What has? What have been some of your favorite guests? Not to put you on the spot, but are there like any? Well, it's hard for me to say that now because you've had so many amazing listeners on. 
Yes. Um, uh, I saw, recently had, and I saw you said Umbreen Buddy and uh, and Tina Wells on, and you've had Anne on, and you've had so many. But I I just remember uh, this was a while ago. I remember you talking to talking to someone about, and they had like retired at like 28 or something crazy like that. I so remember it because I was listening to it while I was doing laundry. <laughs> and I'm just thinking about like, I'm doing something wrong. I need to listen to Farnoosh and really think about this stuff. Like I do, I do. So you, you have been part of my financial journey and I, I'm sure my dad is listening to this and like shaking his head. He's like, yeah, I cannot believe you are on a financial podcast, but I think it's actually important to be transparent about the fact that people who you look at and, and see who appear to be successful, you know, in, in, on your, your newsfeed or whatever, like, like behind the scenes, People are, are are taped together, you know, with like... We're all figuring it out, okay? We're all figuring it out, yeah. And I appreciate you so much for coming on. And um, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm going to go look into some... I'm not buying crypto at $40,000, that's for sure. I mean, that's... Bitcoin is out of control at this point. I mean, I... I, as a, I don't have $43,000 lying around. I mean, maybe if I did... <laughs> I think I don't. Well, I just to be clear, like I, I, I would never buy one Bitcoin again. The only reason I bought one Bitcoin was because it was available. But you can buy like I'm a micro, you know, yeah, versions of it. A hundred. Set up for me, please, into like one one hundredth. I am so, not a person who is uh, authorized to give any financial advice, stock advice, whatever. Nobody take. Yeah, you know, that. I mean, nothing we have said on this podcast except for the drunk elephant, Rachel Sklar. Thank you so much. Thank you, Farnoosh. Love. Thanks so much to Rachel for joining us. You can learn more about Rachel by following her on all social media, Instagram, Twitter. Her writing is all over on Medium, on LinkedIn. She's been featured in the New York Times, CNN, Entrepreneur, The Washington Post. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Stick around for Wednesday's episode when we have Jeunesse Torres Rodriguez, a first-generation Puerto Rican engineer, blogger, and side hustle coach who built a six-figure side hustle and is now pursuing financial independence. Oh yeah, so much good stuff there. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. I'll see you back here on Wednesday, and I hope your day is so money.